listening to episode 60 of the Game Deflators podcast. My name is John. I'm joined by Ryan. And this week, we look past 2019. It's not like we got 2020 vision, but we're going to look at the game trends to end. Hey, everybody. Here at the Game Deflators podcast, we like to talk about games we've recently picked up, games we're currently playing, and get ready, race fans, for today's Inflation Deflation Challenge. I think you taught me on that one, dude. All right. So, as always, we're going to go ahead and start with our recent pickups games that john's recently picked up because i don't have anything again yeah that's uh that's a trend that needs to end in 2020 <laughs> uh so this week i was quite quite busy yeah i don't understand john you're gonna have to walk us through this tell everybody what you got i wrote down a nice list there for you it's a pretty long list so the other night i think it was thursday i was just sitting back thinking i need to look at some vr games what's out there that I need to pick up for when I get a VR system and want to play it. So I decided to look up a few different titles. One of them was Ghost Giant and one was called Robinson the VR Experience. Both of which are, if you recall my pickup of Game Simulator, or not Game Simulator, Job Simulator a while back. It was one of those titles that's becoming rare from a physical copy standpoint. So I said, all right, let me see what VR titles are going to become rare or kind of becoming scarce. See if GameStop has them, I'll pick them up. So I was doing that. Well, turned out that some of them are already becoming rare. So I decided to grab a few because there were some loose, some extra copies around. I said, well, I'll grab them, put them online, and uh, get my money back, which uh, some of them I haven't yet. But I picked up, initially, it was just Ghost Giant, which I picked up three copies, uh, plus um, Robinson of VR Experience. I didn't pick up multiples of that because that's getting rare, but it's not, you know, there's no value on top of it yet. The other one does. Uh, and it ended there. I was like, okay, I'm good. Then it turns out they had a four for 60 deal. So I picked up, which isn't on this list, a copy of Skyrim and a copy of Odin Sphere on the PS4. Sold both of those to make my money back. All right. And on top of that, I picked up a GameStop, uh, what is it? The little card, Power Pro Rewards yeah. card. So I get the discount. So I got the discount on all that. Shipped all those off, got my money back, wanted Eagle Flight, which I had seen as well a while back, and said, well, that's an odd game, so maybe that's a game that'll become rare. Lo and behold, that game is no longer, you can't even search it on GameStop's website. You have to call a physical store and say, do any of your locations have this? Because their website will not even populate it as an option to find. So went ahead and got that at a location. Turned out another location had one, all right? And they happened to have a four or a buy two, get two free deal for winter. I was like, well, damn. So I picked up two $10 games, picked up another two games. Don't even remember those games. Um, went ahead and asked the guy, hey, if I had the sale the other day of four for 60 and you guys are doing buy two, get two free now, are you guys able to, you know, go ahead and reverse that deal for me today? And he's like, yeah, no problem. I'll take care of you. So... Great GameStop employee takes care of me, takes my four for 60 the other day, turns it into a two for two, lowering my overall cost down, throwing my membership on top of that to give me the discount. And I ended up getting basically a stack of four games that were $9.99 a piece for free and $12 in credit. Took that $12 in credit, went off to another GameStop, Ryan, and then picked up four more games at $30 a piece. Slapped on my discount, slapped on the credit, got two copies of Rick and Morty VR, uh, another copy of Eagle Flight, and something else. Went to another GameStop and traded out the same deal I did 
on the $29.99. I went ahead and just went to another game. So I said, hey, I got this at this location. I didn't like it. Uh, you know, I didn't have anything else I want, but I want this game, Puyo Puyo Tetris. Can I get that and swap it? No problem, John. You can go ahead and swap this game with no issues. So I ended up with a ton of games, and I think I spent the other day $40 on like, I think it was 45 bucks in total, and I got like nine VR games and Puyo Puyo Tetris. It was quite the experience. See, people, these deals, they don't just make themselves. If you, if you want to have a, a big, beefy collection like John, you got to work for it. That was the biggest pain in it. Dude, I drove. So what turned into what was going to be like a 20-minute escapade to just kind of, you know, or adventure, right? To just go and get my copy of Eagle Flight and something else turned into literally a two-hour experience in which I asked the GameStop employees, do you need me to take any hardware or software to any other locations? You, like, you, I can you, do a transfer you tried for you. To, you tried to just go to the shop and you got a side quest instead. Yeah, that's actually what happened. So uh, it was... It was quite the experience, dude. And, you know, somebody out there will say, oh, well, you're just flipping and reselling. Well, you put the work behind that to go ahead and get the games that you want. And you will see why it's not just a, I'm going to pick it up and flip it or whatever it may be. Yeah, I took a well, couple and games. I mean, you know, all the deal stuff that you're doing, you're doing it in a way that isn't, like we've talked about in the past, people going on the computer at midnight and buying up, you know, all the special editions and then turning around and reselling them. Like, you're actually going out. These are games that have been out. Everybody has the opportunity to do what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And it's... You're really putting in the legwork to get all this done. And, I mean, the fact that there were multiple copies of these games, you know, anybody could have gone and gotten yeah. this. Like, anybody could have done this. There were the buy two, get two free deals. I mean, it was a great deal. I mean, honestly, it's still going on, too. So if you have any PS4 games to pick up uh, for your wife... Dude, do it. Like, mm -hmm. 100% totally worth it to go to GameStop right now and do that deal. I think it goes till January 4th is what they told me. So, yeah, t check it out. But, yeah, I mean, I put in the legwork for that. Anybody could have done this. Anybody, It's not like I cheated the system or anything. Like, You just got to know how to You got to know how to work it. Yeah. And Everybody works nice the system to, a little bit. And be nice to employees. Like, the guy straight up, when he was helping, was like, dude... The fact that, you know, you're just coming here asking a couple questions and seeing if it's okay to do something like this. He's like, yeah, I'm going to do it. No problem. He's like, you're not sitting here bitching at me over the holiday season. He's like, people get so pissed off. Yeah. And you're coming in here just asking like general questions to see if you can get a good deal on this. And he's like, I'm going to take care of you. So yeah. I appreciate you coming in. And you another know, good GameStop story. Yeah, actually, that was a pretty good one. The guy was super helpful. And um, now I do have a bad one, though. So I uh, I had picked up Neverwinter, as I told you a few weeks back and it's now on sale for 30 bucks brand new at GameStop. I bought it for 50. So I went in and I asked the guy, I said, Hey, you know, I bought Neverwinter a few weeks ago. It's now 30. Wasn't sure if you guys were able to, cause I know some businesses do this where if it hits a sale within a certain period of time, I think Best Buy does it within a two week period. I said, do you guys do anything? Like, will you kind of, you know, put credit back on just due to a sale coming out and the game now being a much lower price point. Like it'd be one thing if it was five bucks, but we're talking, you know, $20, 20 bucks, off. Yeah. Like that's actually significant for that's a, like eight games for you. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so a game that's been out for roughly three weeks is already on discount for 20 bucks. I'm like, are you kidding me? So I asked the guys or anything. He's like, he just straight up looks at me, goes, Nope, nothing. We'll do nothing. And I'm like, Oh, I looked and I said, well, that's the last time I pre-ordered for your store. Yeah. I'm like, I'm seriously, dude. Come on. I don't know why you pre-ordered that anyways. Well, I it was one that I just wanted to get, and if I didn't pre-order it, it would have been one that I just, 
I would have probably lost sight of and not mm-hmm. picked up. So to pre-order was kind of a nice, let me go ahead and grab this. I just wasn't anticipating it to hit $30 that quickly. Well, especially you got it on Switch, right? Yeah. So it doesn't have that Nintendo No. That yeah, Nintendo what, power of hold. Yeah, exactly. And it's kind of what I was looking for was like maybe because it's on Switch, I won't feel so bad if it goes on like discount for 40 bucks. But I mean, $30 within a few weeks, that is crazy low. And mm-hmm. I'll admit the game port is not the best. Like Beamdog, you guys did a crap job porting this game over. Absolutely horrible. But I still wish it would have held a little value on that, yeah. you know, just to not feel so bad. Like I well, looked at my wife. You can't win and, every time, John. Oh, I know, I know. And the fact that I got so many games off them, you know, in the last few days, I'm not complaining too much, but So besides still. wheeling and dealing, what are you playing? So, right now I'm not playing anything. I beat Sekido greatest experience ever 100 percent. that final boss absolutely ridiculous and i told you the other day or last week he comes out slashing and lightning speed and then he gets a gun and he starts shooting you and he also has his bodyguard genichiro beforehand and on the final one he has a gun and lightning and super fast it was such a difficult boss battle for me and the best thing about it is I was like inches away from death and I got into like this groove like I could feel it while I was actually beating the final boss my wife was sitting next to me as I was trying to beat it and she was like all right come on you got this like you know you're gonna cheering you on like I guess she just wanted me to finally beat the game right and so I was going through I had my strategy it was you know I'd take a whole bunch I'd run backwards he would come at me with a charge I would go ahead and lift up my umbrella shield uh, he would shoot a couple times, I'd spin around him, slash him once or twice, and then run away. And like that was just the process. And he got me to a point where I had zero health. The video's on YouTube, by the way, for almost a full battle. It was like well over 20 minutes to do this whole thing. So, and just because of the strategy I used, if I would have gone gun ho, like just slashing and everything at him, there's a possibility it would have gone faster, uh, but more difficult. And I did all this with a demon bell, mind you. So it was more difficult to begin with. Um, so yeah, basically I did this whole strategy, I'm running around, and then finally he got to me where he killed me one time, I revived, or resurrected myself, and I didn't have any health left, which sucked. But I had just this idea of, well, if he is coming at me with that jump, and he can't hit me, and he's kind of prone technically, I can just run towards him, loop around, slash, and run away. And so that's what I started doing. And it was just one of those things, like, I'm sitting there, like, in the groove. I'm like, all right, cool, I got this. Like, it's not a big you deal. You got a pattern down. I just had the pattern down. I'm like, all right, just kept doing the same thing over and over. And you'll see in the video if you watch it on YouTube, so at the Game Deflators on YouTube. And, yeah, it it just went by, and the ending was flipping awesome. And I can do a new game plus if I want to. Don't know if I want to. Yeah. Uh, I did get the best ending possible in the game, so I got the Return of the Dragon <clears throat> ending. Uh, if I want to do it again... I'll probably do the worst ending to see what happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was the Shura ending is the worst ending. So we'll see. It should be easier technically in a new game plus because I keep all of my stats and I keep all of my abilities. I just lose like all of my prosthetics, mm-hmm. which is fine because I mean, you a lot of the time I didn't. Yeah, that and I, I didn't really necessarily use all my prosthetics all the time. I used the umbrella in that battle because it's a part of that strategy to beat him. But most times in the boss battles, I, I didn't use too many prosthetics. Um, I maybe used a firecracker on a few of those enemies that needed it uh, to try and cheese my way through a couple enemies. But the most part, I tried to beat them head on without anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, 
I'll go into my currently playing because technically I'm going to be currently playing this in a few days uh, during our new games resolution section. Okay. So I'll go to you though because I am really excited about what I see listed here. I finally beat Zone of the Enders, the second runner. It's done. All three games are done. I did the new games resolution with a couple days to spare. Pixar didn't happen. See, all my stuff is on YouTube. Yeah. Well, I I don't have a way to hook my PS3 up. Hmm. That sounds like a... Is there a share function on PS3? I've no. never really used the share function on stuff. Oh, dude, I use it all the time. I love it. I know you do. I just... I don't, I don't know what's really worth sharing or when to start the share thing. Like, if you're doing Sekido, like, do you do, like, the record every attempt at the boss fight? No. No, because it, it records automatically 15 minutes of footage, and it just rolls over. It doesn't record any more than that. So my boss battles are generally under 15 minutes. No, I know, but, like, before every attempt, do you hit record? No, you don't have to. It just records the last 15 minutes of yeah. stuff you did? Uh-huh, and then oh. you just go ahead and trim it. Okay, see, I didn't know that. I've, I've never really used that because I just, I don't know. Well, anyways, we have Zone, of Elgato, the yeah, Zone of the Enders, second runner. I'm going to put it as my number two out of the three. I still think that Zone of the Enders, uh, Fist of Mars for Game Boy Advance is the best. Really? Yeah. Uh, second runner, second best, and Zone of the Enders one is the worst of the three. I just think that the difficulty spikes... That I hit in this game, like the final boss was tough. Uh, that boss that I had to do the clashing with was tough. The whole second half of this game was pretty hard. But I just think that the story, I like how it transitions from the first game into this one. But I think that overall, the RPG style of the Game Boy version is... What I liked, and I think I just have so much nostalgia to that game that it elevates it for me. And I think overall I would recommend somebody to play the series, but probably only if they're a fan of, like... Kojima? Kojima, or if they're a fan of, like, the giant robots in space aesthetic, like into Gundam and stuff like that. But for just somebody as just a blind recommendation no i don't think i don't really think they are that great of games to there's better stuff to use your time with but you know that's the whole point of the new games resolution something that you've always wanted to play and have never played and you finally get around to it well and that's uh well i'll, I'll get into mine in a little bit for my new games resolution obviously yeah. but that's one of the reasons where i was going to do kind of similar to you like one through three type mm -hmm. of thing and I just, I started reading a couple it's a things lot, about yeah. it. Well, not that it's a lot. I just started reading a couple things about it. I'm like, you know, I'm going to have to put my time towards three games of the same series and dedicate my time to it. And if I don't like the first one that much, You're I'm screwed. probably not going to yeah. like the second and third. But yet I have to muster my way through it. And yeah. do I want to do that? That was kind of my mindset. So I have a stretch goal in place for mine. Mm -hmm. But I think I'm going to stick with one of them. So, but what are you, what are you currently so, playing? Uh, besides beating Zone of the Enders, uh, we're playing Death Stranding. We're probably like five hours in or so. Is it all the UPS packing and shipping that you could ever dream of? I mean, not yet, because we're still kind of in the intro part. We're just kind of starting the game, really. The intro is five hours? I mean, we finally have our goal. We're kind of like, we're finally starting to do 
like the main story. It's all been kind of introductory up till now. So we've only done like a few deliveries and I was looking up the how long to beat. It's about 35 to 40 hours if you just truck the main story without doing a lot of side stuff. But I think that that might depend on how helpful other players are being. Like the advantage of playing it now is that there's already a bunch of ladders and ropes and stuff stationed that other people have asynchronously put into the world that we can access to make the game a little bit easier. So instead of going around a mountain, we just climb a bunch of ladders people put up to go over the mountain. That should cut our time down. Oh, so this is like you can actually access things that other players around the world have put yeah, in? Yeah, imagine like in Dark Souls how you leave messages, Yeah, but you can actually leave helpful items instead. Oh, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, and there's even like we found like a bunch of loot scattered around and there's a bunch of loot in not loot items for delivery in universal storage containers that anybody can access. So you could theoretically just go access one of those, pull out a bunch of stuff, deliver it and make a bunch of extra money or levels or whatever. You know, you could get a bunch of stats by doing stuff that other people have just provided for you, kind of bypassing the actual game side content and doing user-generated side content in a way, which I really am interested in the systems of this game behind those kind of scenes more than I am really looking forward to playing through all the delivery stuff, but she likes it. You know, it's a gorgeous-to-look-at game. The story's weird. I think it... I think it'll definitely be a fun adventure. It's just going to take a while to get through. Uh, besides that, I still need to finish Final Fantasy twelve Zodiac Age. And I need to finish Link to the Past. I'm pretty close on Link to the Past. But the biggest problem that I need to do for 2019 is I need to leave Cave Blazers in the past. It's taken way too much of me. And I think that I just need to, I need to cut that. I need to cut that tie. Cold turkey. I think I need to delete it and all the game data for my Switch. Well, I wouldn't do that. I would just give me your Switch and I'll sell it. And then you can buy another Switch and not have K-Blazers on it. Yeah, but I, I think have it's a, a ton of other digital games on there. Well, it's a win-win. I mean, you don't have to play K-Blazers and then I get money. No, John, no. Oh, well, fine. Okay. Well, uh, anything else on gaming? Uh, Nope. All right. Well... We are entering a new decade, so it's a good time right now to look into the previous decade that we are now leaving, and we're going to look at the best games of the decade, or actually video game console of the decade. We'll go into best games in just a moment here. So, oddly enough, um, I kind of disagree with this list, the way it's set up. They have, uh, currently, it's uh, through Eric Kane. He is part of Forbes, and maybe that's why he doesn't have the best of lists. He pretty much calls out the 3DS, the PS Vita, the Wii U, the Xbox One, and every other variant, PS4 and PS4 Pro, and the Nintendo Switch. Doesn't call out the Switch Lite, though. Now, what I would argue here is that the life cycle of the PS3 and Xbox 360 did go into 2010, if I'm correct. Yeah, but that's not... The console I, wasn't I made in 2010. I fully know, but it was still a game or, system that was being utilized. No, no, that I, doesn't count. I get it. I get it. But I would still count them. No. I would, personally. That's that's not how it works, John. I think that's how it works. Did, okay, could you play so it in that decade? Then they're not allowed to be a part of the 
previous decade before that. You can't be the best of both decades. If yes, you, yes, you can, sir. No, you can't. I'm going to count it. All right. So you think the PS3 was better than the PS4 Pro? In, no. in the no, article, no, no, sir. That's not what I'm saying. The, what are you complaining about? What I'm saying is that it could have been included theoretically. No, it couldn't. Yes, it could have. It wasn't made during the decade. Were they making consoles and producing them and shipping them and selling them? No. Yes, they were in 2010. No, those were discontinued by then. And they discontinued the PlayStation 2 in Japan in like 2015. Really? Yes. Oh. I mean, I guess they probably were still selling them until the they release literally of the PS4. Just, they literally just stopped doing PlayStation 3 games on PlayStation Plus. Like, they've been supporting it. That's my point. That like, was last year. Yes, and that is in part of the decade of 2010 to 2020. Okay. They literally well, we're supported not gonna, it eight We're not going to keep in. arguing about this. Anyways, in his article... <laughs> if you agree with John, hashtag I agree with John. If you don't agree with John, John, still hashtag I agree with John. So the PS4 Pro is what he says is the best gaming console of the decade. I think that compared to the rest of the consoles that came out... Uh, I think it does stand out as being the best. I think it offered the most. I think that the Switch will, in the long run, hopefully reach up to that level or maybe surpass it. I just think that it's too young in the Switch's life for people to really have taken it to you know, its eventual limits. So we'll see where the Switch goes, but I totally agree the PS4 Pro is probably the best console of the decade. Well, I mean, I've played a little bit of Xbox One. Not a huge fan of it. I have played some Vita. Not a big fan of the controls itself. 3DS. Played quite a lot of 3DS games, and I have truly enjoyed myself. That I game, think 3DS is definitely the second place. Yeah, I would say that. And then the Wii U, as much as people hate on that system, it was actually a really cool system. A lot of people love the Wii U. Yeah, the Wii U was actually great. Uh, Honestly, I'd probably put that as my number two. I enjoyed the games on the Wii. There's a lot of great titles on it. It just got crapped all over because it came out as a Wii U instead of another, you know, naming convention. Nintendo actually tried to come out and say, hey, look, here's the Wii U. It's backwards compatible with the Wii games. Everybody was like, well, it's another Wii. No, it really wasn't. Like they had, it was kind of like Switch Lite, even though it wasn't Switch Lite at the time. Uh, because it did have the touchscreen capabilities, it did have the whole handheld component, it just didn't have the full extent of what Nintendo's vision was, and that kind of sucks, because I really do like the Wii U. There's a lot of great games on it. I mean, you're looking at the new Star Fox was released on there. Which you most had, people didn't like. What most people didn't like, but you had Yoshi Woolly World, uh, you had the new Super Mario Bros. Is on there, Mario Land... Uh, there was uh, a couple other games, like Toad's Treasure Tracker was on there, it was really good, uh, Mario Party, lots of really good games actually, and it just didn't amount to anything, and that sucks. I think it's going to go down as like the GameCube of that decade. Definitely. Or this generation. Definitely. Yeah, but ultimately I'm with you, dude. PS4, PS4 Pro, I think is the best out of the generation, so obviously sold the most units, has the most exclusives. And, well, from what I know, it has most exclusive. Somebody prove me wrong if you'd like to. Uh, I loved Horizon Zero Dawn. I'm going to play God of War 3. Had Bloodborne on it. So, I mean, the games just go on and on and on. Spider-Man. Death Stranding is on there. Not as exclusive technically, but it's on there. Yeah. So, any anything else PS4 Pro-wise? I mean, there's you can make a huge list I mean, of the PSVR. pros and cons. 
you know, PSVR, it's it's the only thing on this list that has like a real VR component to it. Yeah. That's true. You know, I mean, I'm actually kind of surprised that they don't include things like Oculus on this list either. Well, he mentions in his edits underneath. Uh, I'll scroll down really quick uh, to that. Stadia. Well, yeah, he says Stadia, and then he says PC, but PC is like, you know, it's always been around. It's not technically this generation. Yeah. Stadia, I do, it does bring up a good point, but it's not technically a console. Yeah. It's just, you it's know. It's an interface. Yeah, and it has a controller. Like, it's, you have Oculus, you have the Steam Box, you got all these other things yeah. that were released in the last few years. You can even start counting on, like, the classic consoles if you really wanted to. Yeah. So just not one of the major things yeah so check out that article see what uh talking points are on there um you know regarding these consoles and see if you agree with them uh so as a forbes article we'll link it and the next one we had was through wired this is the decade's 10 most influential games i'll admit i didn't know a lot of these games there's some i did know uh but this is by julie muncie of wired so we'll just go through the top 10 real quick and then we'll talk about what we know of these because i don't know all of these either so uh 10 30 flights of love nine pathologic two which actually looked pretty cool yeah eight sibel seven near six N- well, pt near came out in 2010 and that game was on ps3 five legend of zelda breath of the wild four gone home three dark souls two minecraft one Fortnite like how you ignored my near ryan john the console did not come out in 2010 still supportive ryan near was actually pretty cool uh, i do need to beat it because my ps3 at that point in time had died off uh, so i have all my saved data on a thumb drive i need to jump back into it but that game was actually pretty awesome and i'm totally stoked they did the whole near automata. automata yeah and i want to play that but it's still 30 bucks i think it, it's held up quite well actually and near one is actually held up in price as well over the last few years um out of this list dude which one do you feel was the most influential um i'm gonna say out of this whole thing i i think it's a well-structured list Uh, some of these games that i don't know at the bottom like 30 flights of love pathologic and sabelle but we did watch a pathologic 2 trailer and i thought that that looked pretty cool and very recent so I think that the fact that I haven't heard of it is a little surprising for as good as it looks. Um, I think that Minecraft probably changed the gaming landscape in giant, giant ways and really led the way for a lot of a lot of different things that go kind of beyond just oh let's make creative games that aren't necessarily about this or necessarily about anything just kind of doing your own thing i think that it did establish that but i think it also well they took the fate the uh, not the phase but the idea of like sims for example which has always been a craze for many years and put into a totally new type of format that anybody could relate to and have fun with like not from the you know sims life perspective but the whole building component of it and bringing something to life and having the monsters and being able to interact with a world Mm -hmm. you had that at sims but it's less complicated in a sense and it's something that anybody can enjoy well it's one of the cool things about it yeah i i think that even beyond that it really started bringing um gaming 
as a landscape into the social space in a really powerful way. Cause I mean, there's always been like forums for games and multiplayer games are old, but I mean, really building community around a game in the way like Minecon is like a giant thing that happens every year. You know, it's got toy lines. It's got all of this outreach out there and it does affect so many people in so many different ways. I think that the cultural phenomenon that Minecraft generated has been something that other things have really taken on. Like, I don't think Fortnite would be what it is if those same people hadn't grown up playing Minecraft and being connected in a way that they wanted to have a game where there's a hundred player deathmatch. Like nobody really, you know, that format of the well, nobody had really Battle taken Royale that style. Nobody had taken that format and put it into a setting like, well, I guess there are a few games out there, but nobody really was successful with it. I brought up on the last episode Zipper Interactive doing, I think it was Mag on the PlayStation 3, yeah. which was like this huge 500-player like deathmatch, well, not yeah. deathmatch, but like a huge multiplayer experience. It was never truly perfected. Yeah, yeah. so they, they tried to do that before, but I think until Minecraft came out and people came together around a game like that, then you had people come together in that same kind of way for like Undertale, like low end indie games developed by somebody who, I mean, Knox may not be really in vogue now. And I know that there's some stuff I don't know about that, so I won't speak on that. But there's creators out there that really bring people together around their games. And I think that Minecraft should be number one for me on the list. Yeah, I would. I know you had initially said Fortnite, but the way you were kind of going with that, you know, you said Fortnite before we started recording. Yeah, I just, as but I talked about it, I exactly. think that Fortnite rode so much off of what Minecraft established. Yeah, what I'm going to go with, uh, Dark Souls is on here. I'm going to say the whole Souls type of series, Demon Souls, Dark Souls, um, Bloodborne, obviously. All of those, I would say, have been most influential, at least for me from a gaming perspective. It's opened doors for so many other like platformers of um, Salt and Sanctuary. I think Dead Cells technically isn't on there, but we've seen a lot more platformers come out in recent years that have had a higher end of difficulty and have used similar mechanics, if not the same mechanics. Shovel Knight was a standard platform. It wasn't necessarily Dark Souls-esque. Well, but when you die, you recover your gems. Yeah, I guess that's true. So, I mean, you do have... Those, I mean, as, even those, those little mechanics. You yeah, know, just things here and there. The Messenger like, has a similar mechanic. Oh, does it? Mm -hmm. Well, Sekido is obviously another game that they released in the last uh, couple years uh, for that as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, or last year, I guess, this, this previous year, uh, they released Sekido. So there's a lot of games out there that are using that same mechanic, similar mechanics, and they've taken a lot from the Souls series. And I'm, I'm seeing that that's continuing into 2020. I think we're going to have a lot more games with those same types of mechanics. And it, it's helped. I mean, open up doors for a lot of people to play harder games, get a, a bigger challenge. That's something I felt was missing in the most in the most recent years. There weren't any games, games that were Games got a little like, too soft. Yeah, there was a lot of games that were super soft in the last, well, really this decade. There was a lot of games that were soft, and Dark Souls truly opened that up and said look you don't have to be an easy peasy game to go through. we're not like, putting an easy mode in you can every time we release a game people are going to argue about whether there should be an easy mode but we're not going to do it i've literally never played a game like Sekido where they put in a harder mode like 
you straight up were like, oh, the game's not hard enough. Let's ring this random bell, mm-hmm. and now it's hard enough. And if you want to make it easy again or easier, you can go ahead and ring this bell and get this demon off of you. Mm-hmm. Like, I've never seen that in the game before. And they're always pushing the limits in terms of the open world type of uh, you know atmosphere they create, the quality of games, the quality of bosses, the storyline that's tied to it, the lore. It's just an overall like, great experience, and I think that them doing that, the From Software team, is really just going to make gaming better in the mm-hmm. next decade. I'm so excited to see what happens in the next ten years. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a huge change of pace. So that's uh, that's kind of looking back at this decade a little bit. Uh, let's go right into well before we get into trends to end in 2019. Well, I guess yeah. Let's do that, and then we'll get into this. Don't you have this article right here? The... Yeah, that's part of the trends to end in 2019. That ties back. So last year we did trends to end in 2018, and I actually read an article. Well, trends to end in 2019. Well, I'm talking about last year mm. when we covered 2018. Uh, we talked about unfinished games and ridiculous install times and how much we don't like getting a game and having a day one patch, and now we got to wait five hours to play the game so i thought this was a good little follow-up on last year so this is from uh, pc games n by dave james this is the ps5's ssd could spell doom for next gen pc game ports and i don't really care much about that what i care is that this new generation of consoles is going to be loaded up with some good ssd and load times are going to be they only say load times are going to be a thing of the past but load times are seemingly going to be a pretty big thing of the past moving forward. And hopefully that means that even if games, we can keep hoping that they'll finish games before they release them. God knows we've talked about that this year. But even those installs that we're going to have to do, they should be much snappier next generation. So it looks like maybe last year's trend to end will be ending next year. It took them two years. SSDs in our consoles seems like it's going to wrap up some of that stuff. So just that's... a little follow up. Okay, cool. To, to 2018 trend stand. So now we can go into trend stand for 2019. That actually is a good segue into mine. So my trend to end in 2019 or 2020 is hype. Stop hyping things if it's not going to be good. Anthem, super hyped, ended up being garbage. Uh, Fallout 76, super hyped, ended up being garbage. Probably a ton of other games in there that we've talked about that ended up being garbage that were super hyped up. Oh, Nino Kuni 2. I've heard such bad things. Like, I want to play it really badly, but it's apparently not that great. Like, it took a lot of the really cool mechanics from number one and took them out in number two. That's hype. Hyped up a game for me, and you didn't deliver. We'll see, we'll see what happens with Cyberpunk. Yeah, that's actually a good good point. I mean, that game has been that hyped game has so much hype. Well, Death Stranding had a lot of hype too. Death Stranding over, had a lot of hype too, and it's gotten mixed reviews. I yeah, mean, between twos and tens. Uh, yeah, well, that's a huge difference. I mean, that's more of you didn't like it or you really liked it. You love it or you hate it, or it's fanboys versus general gamers who are mm-hmm. like it just isn't that good. Um, but you'll tell us when it's beat. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, just stop hyping things. I want things to stop being hyped. I want you to stop telling me I'm going to get something. You're not going to deliver it. And it goes back into my discussion last year when you're hyping up collector's editions and they end up being garbage collector's editions or they decrease in value immediately and it's just not worth the money and I can go pick it up somewhere else 
three months down the road for 30% off for a, collect, a collector's I, edition. Like it shouldn't be dropping in value as a collector's item that quickly as well. Like either limit the product so it's truly collectible and then stop having or allowing the ability to just bought your way through and buy 20 copies of it. Like limit it to like IP addresses and addresses in general and names and all that good stuff. Like make it harder for people to bought their way through getting collector's editions and stop hyping them. So I'm going to, I can continue rambling on dude. Like I'm going to let you go. Cause it, so it pisses me off. So mine's going to piss everybody off too. I've got, uh, I think what we need to end in 2019 is Pokemon as we know it. I think that the format of Pokemon and all the controversy that came out with sword and shield and how disappointed I was and still am stuck in Mount Moon. Not stuck. Just I left myself in Mount Moon. Uh, I think that the format of Pokemon is old and outdated, and I think there can be a lot done to revamp the series and really come out with a next-gen Pokemon game. Not just a new set of paint that makes it look good and, uh, you know, adding a bunch more useless Pokemon that nobody really cares about and getting rid of the ones everybody really likes. I think that leaving all that behind and starting like a from scratch new idea. I had years ago, I had the best idea for a Pokemon game. Check this out, John. Back when the DS came out, uh, you got the top screen, you got the bottom screen layout, like the Pokemon ring format, you know, the box with the circle in the middle. Yeah. You got your opponent on the one side, you on the other side. You've got a D-pad. You can move around in a top-down view. you got four buttons to correlate to all four of the Pokemon's moves. And you got a right trigger and a left trigger to, like, dodge roll side to side and actually have it be, like, an action kind of combat thing. Or even do something. They came out with that Pokemon fighting game this year. Maybe do some kind of blend like they had for Final Fantasy 15 or what they're doing with Final Fantasy 7 where you can have like an action combat or kind of step it back and do more of a tactical type of approach. But I think that it's just been done to death. They're riding so hard on their laurels. I was so disappointed by uh, Town Hero and I think a lot of people were disappointed by Sword and Shield. I just I'm ready for it to be a new Pokemon and then I'll get reinvested. So I'm just trying to figure out how I'm going to title this particular podcast episode because um, it's not clickbait because you're saying Pokemon needs to end as we know it. Yep. So uh, Also, Pokemon Go sucks. Uh, I, I Make Pokemon Go great again. Make it what it was supposed to be. I remember those commercials. So you think the episode should be called 2020... Make Pokemon great again. Make 20. <laughs> yes. <laughs> a new vision. Yes. Oh, yeah. There we go. There we go. Okay. We I, go. Think, I think we can do that. I wanted to call we'll it. build a wall around Game Freak. I, I wanted to call it Game Industry Trends to end 2020, but I think we could go Pokemon, make it great again. Okay. Yeah. We'll make Pokemon great again 2020. All right. I think we're good. Uh, yeah. I think those are some pretty good trends that need to end. Uh, obviously, we're hopeful these things will occur. You know, the one thing on the SSD, that's something we talked about. Obviously, it we knew this would come down at some point down the road, uh, just given that technology is getting there. Uh, 
I think I had talked, didn't I talk about manuals and other stuff in 2019? Yeah, we talked about uh, collectibles in 2018 and how we wanted manuals or reversible covers for all games. So a lot of companies... I don't think that happened. No, a lot of companies are delivering on that, actually. Um, I think one of the games I picked up the other day, as a matter of fact, yeah, has Yeah, we were looking at cover. it last week. I know that uh, Death Stranding has a reversible cover. Yeah, so there's reversible covers. A lot of them are actually doing that, which is pretty cool. I get it, you know, cutting down the paper products for the inserts on the games. But, you know, you still have the little tabs on the inside. You we know, talk, yeah. If you don't if you don't want the tab, take, we said like, take the tab out. Yeah. If you have there. if you have no manual, just get rid of the tab. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't I don't think it like has any purpose other than holding something in there. Yeah. Well, sometimes they still put those like warning slips or whatever in. Well, if you're going to give me a, you know, a manual on my actual like disc, then put the warning slip on the disc as well. Like, come on. It's not needed. We also talked a little bit about um, loot boxes. Loot boxes aren't really going anywhere. Well. They've changed some things. You know, there have been some laws pushed. There has been some stepping up, but it's still out there. That's not going to end next year. No, but I mean, well, it could. I mean, you never know. What we kind can of, hope. Well, you never know what kind of but legislation it didn't, it is passed. It didn't end this year, I'm saying. No, but I think it's still one of those items that is a hot topic, uh, at least from a government perspective. So maybe legislation is passed in the next year to yeah. end loot boxes. Who knows? I did notice that. Uh, so this is interesting, and this kind of goes off the topic before we get into our new games resolutions. But I saw a tweet recently from some company, some indie developer, and they were so excited saying, oh, brand new microtransactions are out. I'm like, you know how sickening it is for me to just hear brand new microtransactions and some company be excited about it? And then on top of that, the fans being excited. Now, to their, you know, to be positive on it, the microtransactions were purely cosmetic type changes that didn't impact the game at all. But just the... The term microtransaction, like I get it, but just call it DLC, like just call it downloadable content and you're going to be paying for it. Like if I could just have DLC back and that's it, that's just my, my word that needs, or, you know, term that needs to come back. That'd be awesome in 2020. Preferred terms. Preferred terms. You know, stop with the microtransaction, just preferred terms of DLC. Well, they, uh, the industry is trying to get away from microtransactions and go to uh, recurrent user spending. Recurrent user spending. Yeah, yeah, we got to figure out an acronym. Which just sounds that. even more evil. It does. I mean, it just come on, give me my DLC, the season pass. Come on, battle. Can, we, can pass. we stop season passes at this point? Like, just call it what it is. It's downloadable content or advantage boost or something. I don't know. Like paid advantage. Who knows? All right, let's go into our new games resolutions. New games resolution twenty twenty. All right. If you didn't join us last year. Uh, for new games resolutions what we try to do is say pull any game that you have wanted to play for a long time even if it's not in your collection go buy it if it's not in your collection any game throughout your existence that you've wanted to touch grab it play it and you got the year to do it uh last year ryan and i you had three games you had zone of the enders Enders trilogy uh, fist of mars one Ryan and two and i actually dude i didn't call it xeno gears that's amazing there you go um and then i had sukunen 2 the rpg I think we both enjoyed our new games resolutions. I thought, you know, we can go into what we're going to do in a minute, but I thought it was a really cool experience to have to, like, force yourself to sit back and, 
not force yourself, but I had to, to force myself. Yeah, you did. Okay, I didn't. I drag I dragged my feet on this one a lot. But, well, you also chose three games, but it's it was really cool to be able to take any game that I had and just say, all right, I'm going to finally play this game. Like it's been here, it's been sitting here for the longest time. And you've got a lot of those. Yeah, I got a lot, unfortunately. So, and I just picked up like, dude, I picked up 188 games this year. I looked at it the other day. Like I have eclipsed. I think I'm at like. 1,870 video games or something wow. now. Like, and there's people with a lot more than that. It's still impressive. It's still not bad. Um, but to my point, it was a cool experience being able to pull Sukadon 2 off my shelf and saying, I'm going to play that game this year. And in fact, it was so good. I'm probably going to play Sukadon 3 this year, not as a new game's resolution, but just to play it. Because just to I keep enjoyed, going. Yeah, because I enjoyed number two so much. So I'll let you start, dude. Um so, what did what did you pick for this year? So I'm taking my inspiration from this year kind of from the same place that I took it last year. I remember seeing this game for the first time. My friend was playing it on his Vita and loving it. And I have never touched anything in this series. So I was looking for where to start. And I love an excuse to play my Vita. So this year I'm going to be playing Persona 4 Golden for the PlayStation Vita. I've never played a Shin Megami Tensei game. I know that they're really popular. I wish that uh, 5 was going to be on Switch because I would love to do that. But I think they're exclusive to they PlayStation. Are. Yeah. So this is this is what I'm going to go with. It's supposed to be a really good introduction to the series. It's supposed to be you know, a really long game, so it'll keep me busy grinding in the dungeons all year, I'm sure, in between playing other things. Highly recommend after you beat uh, Link to the Past, Death Stranding, and Final Fantasy, that you jump right on this. Yes. Because, yeah, that's going to take you a while. Well, I don't have to beat Death Stranding first. That's true. How how long is this game? I think that it's like 60 hours. Ooh. It's going to be a lot. Yeah, I mean... But that's and... why Vita. I can take it with me wherever I am. Yeah, that's true. You do Just have do that a little ability. grinding here, a little grinding there. And that one is uh, courtesy of John on his uh, yep, show. Yep, taking it out of John's collection. Yep. And uh, your wife still needs to beat uh, Cinema Sacrifice. Yeah, this is not going to happen anytime soon. She told you like four times you can have it back and you just don't want it back. Oh, no, I want it back, but I want her to play it too. It's so good. I'm surprised. She would love it. She's not going to be able to play the sequel. What's that? She's not going to be able to play the sequel, so what's it matter now? Yeah, that's true. All right, well, you can bring it back whenever you want. <laughs> um, so my new game's resolution for 2020 is going to be Shenmue 1. Uh, I've always seen the Shenmue games... Heard good things about them, but to my point earlier, I've also heard mixed reviews on the games in general. Uh, so I don't want to jump into all three. That was kind of my initial plan. Like, let me do Shenmue 1, 2, and 3 since a new one uh, came out this past year. But I don't know if I want to put myself through that. Just and, get through number one. See if yeah. you if you like it, because it is an interesting, weird game. I've watched a full playthrough of Shenmue 1, and... I know that he's played uh, the other two, but going into two, I just kind of lost interest in even watching somebody play it. So, yeah, so that's kind of where I was at. Um, you know, am I going to truly enjoy this game? And is it going to be worth putting myself through the other Have you two titles? Played the Yakuza games? I mean, I have them all, but I haven't played through them all yet. No. See, that's the thing that I've been hearing people say is that Yakuza is just better than Shenmue. Well, I don't. Maybe I should switch it. 
<laughs> no, I got to do Shenmue. I mean, Shenmue the, yeah, is a classic Dreamcast. It's something that you've yeah. always wanted to do, and you'll find out for yourself. Yeah, exactly. And I can always still play Yakuza 0 to start myself off. Yeah. Um, so, Stretch Goal is... I don't think is, Shenmue's that long of a game. It's like 20 hours yeah. for number one. It actually increases for every game. I think number one was like... Actually, number one was like 18 hours. Number two is about 22. And then number three is at like 30, I think. So it comes out to about 65, 70 hours of total gameplay. Um, so I'll do Shenmue 1. We'll see how to stretch goal will be to play Shenmue 2 and 3. If I enjoy the first one, then I'll go ahead and play the second and the third. If I do not, then I will likely jump into a Yakuza or some retro games. I, I really want to take some time this year to try and beat as many games as I possibly can off my collection. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean probably... The platformers will be easy to go through. Yeah, some platformers. And it'll be good practice to just play more platformers in general. Um, I probably won't do too many RPGs this year. Uh, I'll have Shenmue, which is an RPG, but I have Shenmue, and maybe I'll play one of the Final Fantasies that I haven't played yet. I'd like to try to get into some Mario this year. I haven't played Mario in a long time. Do you have a Wii or anything still? Yeah. Okay, well, I can always give you some Mario games on the Wii. Because I know you don't have a Wii U, mm-hmm. so you can always play some of those. They were actually pretty good as well. Yeah, so. that or um, the one for Switch. Yeah, that's true. You haven't played Odyssey yet. Mm-mm. Oh, dude. I would actually say Odyssey was probably one of my favorite games yeah, I in, haven't played in the a, last couple years. Yeah, I haven't played a new Mario since Galaxy, I think. Oh, dude. Galaxy was all right, but um, they're actually really good. Like, the most recent ones, Mario Land and... Uh, the new Super Mario Bros., which was good. Super Luigi was pretty cool. And Odyssey was just fantastic. I absolutely loved Odyssey. It, like, bridged so many different games into one. I mean, you had the whole 3D experience of, like, Mario Land uh, on Super Mario Land on the Wii U, obviously, is what I'm talking about. It took a lot of the old-school types of Mario games, plus took that N64 style, uh, and it just kind of put them all into one game, and it was awesome, dude. Like it was, it was great. Mm-hmm. Truly loved it. Um, okay, well, that's our new games resolutions. If you have one, go ahead and post on social media at the Game Deflators on Facebook and Instagram at Game Deflators. Know the on Twitter. Find us on YouTube, and then all of your podcast applications through Apple and uh, Android applications have us as well. So before we wrap up 2019, we've got one more inflation deflation to do this week. Oh, man, we so. Star Wars month, everybody. Star Wars month. Remember that? John didn't see the movie. I haven't seen The Mandalorian, and we couldn't get the la- or the Jedi Fallen Order, so we're going back to basics with N64's Star Wars Episode One Racer. That's right. Not Pod Racer, just Episode One Racer. You know, I would say this game was actually probably one of the more iconic games on the N64 when I was growing up. I thought it was pretty cool uh, back then. I it had, was the first N64 game I had. I got it with my N64. I never owned an N64 till I hit college. Oh, really? Yeah, funny enough. And Pod Racer was not one of the first games I got. It's probably one of the 30th games I got. Uh, but I've still always enjoyed it. I used to play... I, I remember playing <clears throat> Pod Racer at the demo kiosks in the store like Circuit City and such. Mm-hmm. Uh, so showing our age for all of the, the younger folks listening. And uh, I would also do, uh, you know, demos at game stores. I had them, and I would play to friends' houses. And uh, I, this it game was the particular. only N64 game at my dentist. 
Wait, you had a dentist with an N64? In the waiting room, yeah. And a Genesis. What? I didn't have this growing up. Oh, dude, that's lucky. Um... So yeah, we'll just go into it. Uh, episode one, Racer, worst movie ever, next to uh, the other episode two and three, uh, developed by Lucas Arts, published by Lucas Arts, May nineteen ninety nine, and the reception was an eight out of ten in general on this. Yeah, so it was. That's actually it was pretty good across the board. I mean, a few of the versions had some lower ratings, but it looked like it averaged out to like maybe seven and a half, eight out of ten, and I would really agree with that for the most part. Uh, looking at the first level we did, it was kind of hard to tell whether the graphics were bad or whether it was just the level design on that one because it was impossible to see. And we've actually switched up the setup here, by the way. So for a while now, we've been using like a 720p HD screen. I actually pulled in an old Zenith tube TV in here uh, in the game room. So we have the ability to play like these games the way they as were meant. intended. Yeah, as intended on the actual resolution. TV. Yeah, and not to say that the games we played in the past were, you know, misjudged because we played it on a higher end tv because i play retro games on a flat screen all the time and yeah. no issue um it's just it, we have the ability to play things with light guns now that's mm-hmm. kind of the idea behind it so we'll get back to you vampire night oh dude or we no totally not need vampire to. night yeah it was vampire night no vampire night was the weird one we played are you sure i think so you keep talking go through well anyways the, the prices okay. for the people and i'll look so, at it the uh most expensive well, here, we'll go through first. So, complete inbox for N64, $18.99. This peaked at $19.75 back in May of 2018. Right now, it's trending up slightly, heading towards that $20 mark, maybe. Uh, loose $6.94, that peaked at $7.86 just in September of 2019. That's also trending up. Now, if you want the most expensive version money can buy, that's going to cost you about 33 bucks for Sega Dreamcast. And if you just want a cheap way to play, you can look at uh, 360 for a Japanese N64 version. Now, I think that I've got a lot of really good memories of playing this game. It's a pretty decent racer. It's not going to hold your attention forever, but nobody, nobody has really... a a need for a complete inbox version i would say it's nice i like the n64 boxes but they don't really hold up super well i mean none of the boxes for nintendo uh before gamecube held up i mean it's all cardboard yeah i think that uh loose for under seven i think that's a pretty good deal for this game honestly yeah i mean uh, under seven bucks for a loose copy yeah i mean i would i would totally pay that for that i'd probably even pay I, I probably wouldn't pay, but as high as $8, I think, would be fine. Uh, but let's kind of get a little more into the game. So you did mention the um, the overall, like, blast of white that we were experiencing yeah. in the one level. Uh, that was level design, you know, looking at it. The all way the other levels, through, all the other menus yeah, and areas looked fine. Very clear. I mean, the game itself holds it pretty well. I think this game is one of the ones that benefits from a RAM pack. So we might want to play it later on with a RAM pack and see if that helps with anything. See if it changes. But that white level, I mean, that, when you look it at it. It had a sound like it was storming and maybe it was intended to be like well, whiteout conditions. And I think so, because if you were racing in a pod racer, you Going would have. 400 miles an hour. 400 some miles an hour. You wouldn't be able to see either. Yeah. So why should I be able to see in that condition? So like that's kind of realistic in a sense for you know, that time of game. I'm sure it looked terrific when it came out in 99. I don't remember how it looked when it came out in 99, but I think it, it still looked pretty good. And, you know, after a while, despite it being white, 
we got the level down. Yeah. Like we got three laps is enough to know where you're going. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't a big deal. And when we started going into other, you know, racing areas to go ahead and play those and head to head, I got used to it really quick. I mean, I beat you in two of them. I don't know how there has to be some sort of weird mechanic when you respawn from the comeback mechanic was phenomenal maybe it's just because you were anakin maybe your your pod had better stats than the one i was racing you were anakin too on the first one no it wasn't you weren't no oh well then yeah i probably always played this one alien guy i know that you can like i think if you beat the tournament mode you can unlock saboba because i don't think he's unlocked from the start i remember having to unlock him as a kid huh well either way uh you know, the game itself, it did have those elements of, um, you know, those realistic elements of the white and everything. We got used to the tracks. The one thing I noticed, though, was a severe lack of music until you got to the last the lap. The final lap. Yeah, and that was kind of odd. Like, you heard the pod racer going and you heard kind of... The sound effects were all very authentically Star Wars. I think that's a thing we've noticed throughout Star Wars Month is that, for the most part, I mean... LucasArts has done a really good job of putting all the Star Wars into the Star Wars games. Like you, it sounds and it looks all across the board feels like like it's a part of Star Wars. Yeah. And that's something that they've done pretty well in all of these titles that I've, I actually can appreciate. Like, Mm -hmm. I like the fact that you can play these games and it, it feels like Star Wars. I wish they would do this for a lot of other titles. Spider-Man's a good example. I mean, you go into that game and it, feels like your spider-man it's a great experience maybe not and, some of the older ones we played yeah <laughs> i didn't and, really feel uh, a lot like spider-man yeah exactly just spider-man ps4 that's the only one that we uh care about uh but yeah they've done a great job of all the star wars games everything we played i actually truly enjoyed even that empire strikes back game boy game yeah it wasn't bad it wasn't too bad i mean it it had the look and feel of star it wars kept and the you sound. busy all the way to california as a kid oh for sure like 100 percent. so yeah i, I would say Star Wars month was a lot of fun. I think it was a lot of success. I think that, uh, you know, maybe it is better we don't talk about the Star Wars movie here. I saw it. I was not a fan. Well, I'll I w- just say that much here without going into any detail. I have really low standards when it comes to movies. Um, there are quite a few movies I've watched that I have truly enjoyed and have gotten like 40s and 30s on reviews. So I think I'll enjoy it uh, just from the nostalgia perspective as well as the... Uh, just the fact that Star Wars, and I like the stories. Yeah. Like the new ones, I I know the new ones are pretty much the old ones being rehashed into new characters and such, and they're kind of reusing the exact same crap in every single movie. But I still like it. Like the whole Yoda thing in the last film was awesome, and you know I I probably already know the story and what's happening, having just watched you know uh, what is it, The Last Jedi. Uh, last uh, last year, I guess, right, is when it came out? Yeah. So, or two years ago, I think it came out. Was it two they, years yeah, ago? Yeah, I think it was two years it came out. So, I mean, I watching that movie, I knew, like, right off the bat, okay, this is what's going to probably happen in the next movie. When that, when, what is it, Palpatine was uh, revealed, like, his laughter. Not that, I don't know if he's in the movie or not, but when I heard that laugh, I'm like, ah, uh, okay, I, I know where they're going with this direction. Like, I just needed that little bit of laugh to know where they were going to go. It's been a remake, essentially, in my mind. Not necessarily a reboot, in a sense, versus um, a new saga. Like, it's it's odd the way that they've done this over the last few years. And it's kind of disappointing for a lot of people, but somebody of low standards like me, I enjoy it. <laughs> so we'll see. Uh, Mandalorian, though. You need to watch that, dude. Yeah, I know. I will. Like, I just finished the season last night, the season finale, and 
it's great. They've already announced the season two. Baby Yoda is the most awesome thing I've ever seen. Don't slam me for calling it Baby Yoda. It's the child, I know, but we don't know the species, and Yoda's just a guy's name. So we'll see. So Star Wars month, a success. Star Wars episode one pod racer or episode one racer. I'm going to say deflated. Yeah, deflated. Uh, It could be worth more. Yeah, I I think that seven bucks is cheap to pay for it. So uh, deflated on that. Uh, This whole year is over. Uh, we got another decade of Game Deflators coming no, at you. Thank you for joining us in the most recent decade of Game Deflators. All one and a quarter year and right? 60, epi- <laughs> dude, 60 episodes. It's not 60 bad for episodes us. in. We're, uh, we're on our way to 1,000 downloads. Mm-hmm. So tell your friends, uh, spread the word of the Game Deflators. Get us out there. We were recently featured in an article uh, for the top 40 gaming podcasts to watch in 2019. Yeah, so it was a feed spot. I think had a, a good blog out there, uh, but they've they maintain it. You know, they they go through and they update it periodically throughout the year, and uh, we made top forty. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah good, that's, good accomplishment, actually, good year. That was a thanks super so much random for thing, listening. By the way. Yeah, thanks so much for listening. We hope everybody had a good holiday. We hope you have a safe new year. And uh, get those new games resolutions in. Yeah, tell us what you're what you're gonna play. We told you what we're gonna play. Now we want to hear from you. On Twitter, at Game Deflators. Everywhere else, The Game Deflators. And don't forget YouTube for any content that we put out. Hopefully we can get some actual video content in the next year. We're trying in the new year to bring some new stuff. Trying is the key word, folks. And uh, catch us on Facebook for all the really cool updates and memes that we have and all of your podcast applications on Android and iTunes. Or iPad and iPhone. And every other Apple product out there. <laughs> you will find us. Okay. My name's John. I'm Ryan. And we are the, the Game, Game Deflators. Deflators.